I want to ask you to open your Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 8. And once you've found it, I want to ask you to stand because we're going we're gonna to stand for the reading of the word today. We'll also have it on the screen. And uh, I'm going to do something unprecedented. Uh, so are you, guys, are you guys ready to have a revolutionary service? Awesome. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Yeah, while you stand. So it's okay. I got to stand the whole time I preach. All right. So you guys are all right. You guys are fine. All right. So I'm going to read the entire chapter of Deuteronomy chapter 8. I promise you I tried to chop it up. I tried to take two or three verses this week, but it just didn't fit. I was like, no, we're going to read the whole scripture. We're going to read the whole chapter. So Maggie's already given you a lot of verses. You're you're about to get loaded down today. All right. Verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply And go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way. Everybody say remember. Remember. Let's say it one more time. Remember Remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and he let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. Somebody shout. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat, somebody said gluten, and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which it's Ezekiel bread, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. Somebody said, I like that. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. You guys tired yet? Is this good? Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes. Somebody say remember. Remember. Which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you to do, to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and, my, and the might of my hand have given me this wealth. You shall remember, everybody say remember, remember, the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And if you forget, everybody say remember, remember. the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, you shall 
perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let's pray before we're seated. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it's everlasting. It's always transforming and powerful. We ask that today as we read and study and receive from you that you would cause us to remember. That you would cause us to remember how good you've been to us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. In the presence of God. Now, I know we read a lot of scripture uh, there, and I've got a lot more, so hopefully it'll make it out. But uh, the entire chapter of verse 8, or excuse me, chapter 8, I felt was really important for us to read the whole thing. Because when you look at it like a Bible study, you'll notice that the entire chapter of Deuteronomy 8 has actually been broken up into three sections. Now, the first section is verse 1 through 4. These are all reminders of what God has done in their lives. Now, today I'm going to be preaching to you from the topic of grow in your gratitude. And remembering, everybody say remember. Remember. Remembering is the first, (coughs) first and number one key to maintaining and growing in your gratitude is remembering. That's verse 1 through 4. Now, then you'll see the second uh, little portion is verse 7 through 10. And these are all promises or prophetic words about where God is taking his people. Now, how many of you guys get excited when you hear a promise? You're like, man, God's going to give me this. God's going to bring. That's awesome. This is amazing. I can't wait about the, you know, I can't wear the, the, the milk and the honey, the promised land, the promises, the wealth. You guys get excited about that? And that's what we see in the second part where there's prophetic promises that are coming about. But then the last 10 verses, 11 through 20, or 9 verses, 11 through 20, what God is doing here is very intricate, very delicate, very beautiful. He is tying together Israel's past with Israel's promise. And what he's teaching us throughout this whole chapter is that you should not forget your past lest you spoil your promise. And so that's what, that's what God is wanting to teach the nation. He says, hey, look, I know you're going to get happy when I prophesy to you about your promises. But I don't just want you to shout about your promises. I want you to shout about your past. I want you to remember what I brought you through. I want you to remember where you were when I found you. I want you to remember how I fed you when you were hungry. I want you to remember how I clothed you when you were naked. Somebody say, Remember. Don't forget the fight that it took to get you to where you are today. Because if you'll remember, you'll be able to posture your heart in a position of gratitude to stay thankful and to stay grateful. And that is the posture that God loves to bless. And that's what he's showing us all throughout 8. Now, how easy is it for you? I know it's easy for me, but how easy is it for you to forget where God has brought you from? Let me ask you this question. Where were you the week before you got saved? Because I find that when I remember that, it's easy to be grateful. Because I know where I was the week before I got saved. I was a drug addict. I mean, I'm I'm not going to, you know, cut any corners with you guys. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I was terrible. I was angry. I was an addict. I was an alcoholic. I was oppressed, possessed. But Jesus... 
as they say, but God, right? And so all we have to do is just think about that. Man, where were you at the week before Jesus found you? I know where I was. And when we think about that, we're able to be grateful. But on the other hand, when I forget where God has brought me from, I get prideful. And that's something that we have to remember. Because every blessing that you don't turn back into praise turns into pride. Every single blessing that you don't turn back into praise to God for what he's brought you through and what he's done for you turns into pride. And that's what happens. Pride enlarges our preferences and it minimizes our promises. Think about this. Pride enlarges our preferences. Somebody say spoiled. (laughs) Have you become, you know, Christian spoiled? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, what about some of those things that you looked at as being amazing perks in the Christian life that now you just see as part of the package? Okay, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already getting in y'all a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's important that we remember because when we don't remember, the blessings actually then turn in to pride. And then when they're pride, the thing that we used to pray about, we complain about. You know what I'm saying? And so what pride does is it enlarges our preferences and it minimizes our promises. But what gratitude does is it enlarges our promises and it minimizes our preferences. I don't need everything to be perfect to praise God. I don't need everything to be right in my life to shout to him. I don't need everything to be going well so I can give. I don't need everything to be picture perfect just so that I can love somebody else. Right? Pride enlarges our preferences and it minimizes our promises. We don't see the promised land when we're in pride because we're too worried about our preferences. Got to make sure everything's comfortable and right and easy and nice. And... But when we remember where God has brought us from, I'm given the strength and the endurance to worship through where I am and step into the promises that God has for my life. Now, this is why we've got to grow in gratitude. We have to grow in gratitude because you don't want the thing that you fought for in fasting and prayer to be the thing that you complain about six months from today. Now, we live in a nation where we have something that we call uh, hashtag first world problems. And, uh, and I, these are just a few hashtag first world problems of things that I see people complaining about that are not problems really at all. Uh, my brand new iPhone 10 doesn't have a headphone jack, so now I've got to go buy new headphones. My fingerprint scanner on my iPhone 10 isn't working well, so I've got to type in my password manually. The barista put too much milk in my caramel macchiato. I want to eat my chips, but I can't hear the TV when I chew. The escalator was out of order So I had to take the stairs They spelled my name wrong on the Starbucks cup again The free Wi-Fi in here is too slow (laughs) My sandwich has so many toppings on it It's hard to eat (laughs) 
My treadmill is broken, so I've got to run outside. I got a huge raise in my salary, but now I got to pay more taxes. I got a year in bonus, but I got to pay taxes on them now too. See, when we don't pour gratitude into the soil, we won't like what grows out of the ground. It's important that every single blessing that we receive, we remember and we thank God for it. Which is why God is reminding Israel, if you don't pour gratitude into everything that you do, you're going to be kept back from stepping into your promises. Let me, let me say that again. God teaches Israel in this entire chapter, if you don't remember and become grateful for what I did in your past, that is going to keep you from stepping into your promise. Could it be that you're actually where you need to be to step into your promise? You've just allowed your past to become your pride. And your preferences have become so large that you can't step into your promised land. What if the only thing missing to your next season is remembering the last one? Where has God brought you through? You know, where has God brought you from? What has God brought you through? It's important that we remember because God is attracted to gratitude. When we are grateful, we're blessable. Here's Psalm 22 and 3. It says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. How many of you guys know that God sits down on praises? When the praises go up, the blessing. I only had you with me, Jared. Yeah. When the praises go up, the blessings come down, right? God doesn't sit down on pride, but praise. You guys know that passage? He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, the grateful are the blessable. God doesn't enthrone himself on our pride. God enthrones himself when we remember and give him praise. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. See, if you want to go to God, you've got to go in praise. That's the way that we approach God. That's the way that we get to God. That's the way that we apprehend God. We're grateful and we praise him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstance. Here's what gratitude is. Gratitude is not just thanking God because of your circumstance. Gratitude is thanking God in spite of your circumstance. We don't just give God praise because of our circumstance, but we're grateful, so we give God praise in spite of our circumstance. It's not that we go to God informing Him about the size of our problem. We go to our problem and inform it about the size of our God. We say, no, nah, I don't think you've checked out how big my God is. Rather than complaining about what we don't have, we're rejoicing over what God's given us. So I'm going to give you guys three points today. And I want you to take some notes if you can. But I'm going to give you guys three points about how to grow in your gratitude. And the very first one is, gratitude is never silent. Gratitude always says so. If you are grateful, you will find a way to express it. Don't hold back a blessing from someone else with an unspoken word of praise. Luke 6 and 45 says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. So if you're grateful, say so. 
send the text, write the card, write the email, make the phone call. I mean, you're probably thinking about somebody right now that you're grateful for that you just simply just, you know, maybe have said, well, they know I'm grateful for them. Well, if it's in your heart, speak it out of your mouth. Say so. If you're grateful, say so. Gratitude is never silent. Gratitude is always vocal and verbal. Romans 12 and 10 says, outdo one another in showing honor. I know in our culture today, competition is very popular. But if we want to compete with one another as Christians, we, could, we should compete in this context of how to outdo one another in showing honor. You know, a few years ago, we were in a recession. And my friends and I decided that we'd be in a blessed session. Corny preacher joke. But... Um, so what we did was we just try to outdo one another in showing honor to each other. And it was just even the little things like, hey, take the seat. You know, it was just our posture for a season. We were just like, it's a blessed session. Oh, you, no, no, let me pay for your meal. You know, you fight over who gets to pay for the food, you know, because we were fighting over the blessing. No, I, I want the blessing. Don't rob me of my blessing. Let me pay for your food. You're not paying for yours. You guys know what I'm talking about? Gratitude is never silent. Gratitude always speaks up. Gratitude says so. If you're thankful for somebody and you know what their love language is, communicate that way. Give them a gift. I like Nordstrom gift cards. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you, gratitude. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, a, it's a sozo. It's a, the smells in there. They pump oxygen in. It's like casinos. Okay, number two. Number two. You, you guys are going to like this one. Gratitude extinguishes entitlement. Entitlement is actually what turns the thing you prayed for into the thing you complain about. That's what entitlement is. And I know a lot of people go off on millennials and they talk about how entitled that we are. But, you know... I think that the antidote, if you will, for entitlement is gratitude. And that's how we can get free of that cycle. And that's why I want to ask you once more. Uh, in your Christian walk, how often has what you used to see as an unbelievable, amazing perk become just part of the package? You know, I know a lot of people say, man, I'm just not getting fed anymore at church. At church... Ain't good. I didn't know it was our responsibility to make sure you eat every single meal. If you're an adult, I hope you've learned how to feed yourself and that you're not so malnourished that the only time you eat is whenever there's a beautiful buffet that meets your perfect preferences on 1 a.m. services on a Sunday. Like you, like as mature people, we're responsible for feeding ourselves, right? And people, well, I just wasn't, I just wasn't getting fed. Well, if you're an adult, you know, I'm not responsible to feed you every meal. Now, on the other hand, if you're a toddler, then I understand that expectation from you. So what you tell me when you're telling me I'm not getting fed is how immature you are. Hey, okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm trying to be real, right? Can I get two good amens if you're with me? I hope you feel the love coming through because, I mean, like, I love you guys. But let's be honest, man. We're called to mature in our faith. We're not called to have the Christian Benjamin Button, you know what I'm saying, like, where we just go backwards. Got saved, man. I was super mature the first six months. But the longer I sat in church, the only thing I am is an anointed bench warmer. Just wasting all that oil. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. 
Thanksgiving's coming up. Could we just have like a little family meal here today? This is Jeff Phillips coming through me. He was supposed to preach in this pulpit today. I think I've embodied whatever is on his life. He's praying. Yeah, he's praying today. You know, you know when people say, man, worship just wasn't good. Well, was worship not good or was your worship not good? You know, the question is never, was worship good? The question is, was your worship good? Because I don't care who's up here playing. I don't care if they sing off key. I don't think, I don't, it doesn't matter if the PA's not dialed in right. If I'm grateful, the praise isn't about my preference. The praise is about my promise and where God's taken me from and where God's taken me into. So I don't need to be worried about my preferences. I just get my praise on because I'm grateful. Saying, God, thank you because I know where I was the week before I got saved. I know where I was when I was down bad and I didn't have anything and I was homeless, didn't have any hot water in my house, living out of my car. I know where I was when I only had five. These are all true stories, okay? I know where I was when they tried to sentence me, you know, to 10 years, intimidated me and threw the book at me and Jesus delivered me out of that situation. When I think about that, I'm like, how can I not praise? I should be in prison. <laughs> How can I not praise? Entitled people are the worst. Honestly. I mean, their emotion. Uh, man, I'm, I didn't mean to be this mean. Honestly, I'm just. But I think it's the right spirit, right? Um, and, 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 okay, is it okay? If, can we all agree on this? I'm not presenting it. I just want to ask for some buy-in. Uh, and people who are super entitled are emotionally ugly. Like, like. No one wants to be around them because all they do is complain. Yeah. Nothing's ever going good in their life. And you can be like, hey, but you remember that time? Yeah, that was just once. Well, you remember that one time God did this? Yeah, he doesn't do that anymore. You remember that one time God never speaks to me? You know what I'm saying? Like all they do is just complain, 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 and they're entitled. But on the other hand, people who are grateful are super attractive. And people want to be around them. And God wants to be around them as well. Because here's what entitlement does. Entitlement spoils the blessings you do have and inhibits the blessings you could have. You can't see what God's already done in your life because you're so entitled looking at what you don't have rather than looking at what you do have and giving God praise for that. Because I recognize there's a lot of things that we don't have. But I'm going to tell you what we do have. Jesus. Amen. And there's always a reason to celebrate when we acknowledge the fact that Jesus is Lord and he delivered us from our sin, right? And he released us from death and decay, freed us from the grave, and we get to spend eternity with him in paradise. I think there's always a reason to praise. Amen? And, we, you know, honestly, we just need to remove the phrase, I deserve, from our vocabulary. Unless we're putting nothing after it. Here's number three. Gratitude. I like this one. That's my favorite one. Gratitude hunts down the blessing. Let me ask you today. Can you find your blessing or are you too focused on your disappointment? The grateful, they just sniff out a blessing. There's a blessing in this room for me. I know it. There's a blessing in this space for me. I know it. God's up to something because God's everywhere. Maybe I don't see it right offhand. It might be beneath the surface, but because I'm grateful, I will hunt down. I will sniff out the blessing in this place. There is something good here. <laughs> I mean, think about Joseph, man. Homie got sold into slavery and then becomes the CEO of Potiphar's house. He's grateful. He got thrown into jail. Before you know it, he's the head man. He's running the whole jail. He got betrayed by his brothers, then ends up becoming Pharaoh's right hand. Wow. It's because he never allowed any of the stress of the test 
to spoil his promise. He never allowed any of that to get in the way of his gratitude for who Yahweh was to him and continued to be to him, which is why he was able to step out of his past so consistently, go through the wilderness so consistently despite the circumstance, minimize his preferences, and step into his promise into all that God had for him to be. Gratitude is important if you're going to walk in the fullness of your promise. Gratitude hunts down the blessing. It doesn't matter the situation. Grateful people will hunt down a blessing. However, on the other hand, ungrateful people can never find a blessing. Some people would say they're crap factories. No matter, how, no matter what you put in them, crap comes out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is, this is bad stuff. This is good stuff happening all around. It's just bad. That's all you get out of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got Carl. Um, yeah. Hey, you guys remember this story in Second Kings? You you probably remember it. But there was this woman, right? And and her husband. She had a she had a dire situation. Really terrible. Her husband passed away, and she had she had some kids. And she was in all this debt, and they were going to throw her in jail. They throw her kids in jail. There's these bad things happened to her. As Second Kings, so I'll give it to you. Write it down. Second Kings four one through seven, uh, and then she ends up having an experience with the prophet, right? And she says, "This is all I have. All I have is one jar of oil." That's all I have. I just had this one jar of oil, and once it's gone, it's gone. We're, you know, we're in a terrible situation. I'm going to throw it in jail. I owe all this money. I can't do anything. And the prophet says, here's what you're going to do. I want you to go around and collect jars, empty jars, from all your friends, from everybody in the neighborhood. And then I want you to take that one jar, that's that little bit of oil that you have left. Just that little bit. Everybody said a little bit. So just a little bit of oil, just a tiny little bit of oil. And I want you to start pouring it into all the jars. And what happened when she did that is that all the other jars started to fill up and the oil began to multiply. You guys see where this is going? Can I tell you, quit mourning over what you've lost and focus on what you have left. Quit mourning over what you've lost and focus on what you have left. Your situation does not need to improve for you to grow in gratitude. Because as she focused on what she had left, what she had left began to grow. As she, as she focused on what she had left, what she had left began to multiply. The message in it is stop looking back, dwelling on what you wish you had, and start being faithful with what you do have. And when we're grateful for what we've got, not what we don't got, but when we're grateful for what we got, God multiplies it. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. You don't. But here's what you do have. You have the exact same spirit in you that raised Jesus Christ from the grave. And the power that is in you is greater than the power that is in the world. When you stop focusing on what you don't have, which I, I think is really the stra strategy of Satan, to try to get us to look about the things that we don't have, rather than the strategy of heaven, which is to get us to look at what we do have, which is the spirit of Jesus Christ that has taken up residence on the inside of me. And the all-powerful God lives on the inside of me. He's enthroned on the seat of my heart. What is it that we cannot do? What is it that you cannot take hold of? What promise can you not step into? What prophetic word can you not inherit? Don't we know that if God be for you, then who can be against you? Somebody say remember. So let me ask you, what do you have? That's what I want to ask you. What do you have? That's, that's what I want to ask you. Today, I want you to think about this. What do you have? 
If you came in this room feeling, thinking, depressed, having anxiety about what you don't have yet and, and, and how disturbed you are by what you don't have yet, I just want to ask you, the Lord wants to ask you, what do you have? What do you have? If you're faithful with little, God will trust you with the much. Well, I can't, I can't be a missionary to Africa and help the orphans. No, but, but you're a mom and you have four kids. You could be the best, most amazing discipler to those four kids. What do you have? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just a dad. You know, I work 50 hours a week. I can't go and, you know, do treasure hunts or evangelize Africa. No, but you can evangelize your coworkers. You can pray for them on the way to work. Ask God for a word for them. What do you have? We can all do something. It's not about what we don't have. It's about what we do have. Well, you know, I can't communicate. I can't preach with the microphone. But you got Facebook. What do you have? You can share love through social media. I don't feel confident approaching people. You know, I know I want to communicate. I want to speak. Put it on YouTube. What do you have? You have everything you need to accomplish all that God's called you to. God does not dangle carrots in front of his children's faces trying to trick us into believing that somehow we were worthy enough to receive the promise that he's already spoken over us. He's given every single one of us words with enough grace to accomplish them. God doesn't give words without the grace to finish them. Just think about it. Every single promise is wearing a backpack full of grace. Here's the thing, guys. Gratitude changes atmospheres. And, and I want to... I want to test that with you guys today as you stand. So what I want you to do is I, I want you to find one person right now. Just look one person left or the right. And I, I want you guys to take turns just for a minute. And I want you to tell each other what you're thankful for. Just go ahead. Give it a shot. You guys trade. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? All right. Now here's what, we want to do. Here's what I want you to do. Hey, I want, you to find, I want you to find one more person, please. Please find one more person. I know the easiest person is the person you came with, the person you know, but can you just find one more person, please, and tell them what you're thankful for? Just turn to the other side. What are you thankful for? Hey, y'all feel that? Gratitude changes atmospheres. When you start to talk about what you're thankful for and what you do have, the atmosphere starts to shift. You guys feel that? Gratitude changes atmospheres. Instead of complaining and being entitled, we stand here today in the presence of God, grateful and praising Jesus for what he's done in our lives and for what we do have. Amen? As we're closing... We're just going to give God just a big song of praise. How's that? Can we do one chorus as we finish? Awesome. Hey, can I get every single voice just lifted high to Jesus in gratitude? If you walked in here complaining, leave out of here praising.